0: Hallelujah. Are y'all ready? I got some stuff this morning. Look, I ain't preaching a week, so that means you get two messages for one. Problem is, you just got to stay for the length of two. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So, my, the talk is so good to see all the tugos here. Glory to God. Y'all looking good. You're the best looking one of them all. I'm just going to tell you right now. No, I'm kidding. And, uh, and that's why Cole's sitting next to his mama, so he'll look good. You know, he can't do it by himself. He look, then he got Lee sitting on the other side. Man, you just blessed. <laughs> look at him. <laughs> Good to see all of y'all here today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, be looking up Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3. So good to be in the house of the Lord today. Acts chapter 3 we are going to start at verse one in a minute, but I want to I, I did title my message today. When religion is not enough. When religion is not enough. Um, Religion is anything that you do regularly. That can be, uh, you know, devil worship is a religion. Come on, it's a religion. What you practice on a regular basis, what you commit yourself to, that's a religion, okay? That could be qualified as a religion. And so... um, I want to read you just a couple of statistics. I know, you know, I love statistics, and I like it when people read them, but they all run together. Okay? But I want to read just a couple of things so that it will lay somewhat of a foundation for my message today. Um, From the citizen.com. It is estimated. Their report is estimated that the divorce rate in 2021 will be 45 percent. Don't get bent out of shape. You've been divorced. I'm giving you some statistics. Focus on the family reports that uh, a leading sociologist at the University of Virginia, the director of the National Marriage Project, finds from his own analysis. That the active, conservation, uh, conservative, um, the active conservative Protestants who regularly attend church are, listen to me, are 35% less likely to divorce compared to those who are, have no affiliation. That's a great big gap. I mean, 35% less. It says, normally attending conservative uh, Protestant churches, nominally, I'm sorry, nominally attending conservative Protestants are 20% more likely to divorce compared to the secular Americans. What I'm telling you in that is this, that if the the projected uh, divorce rate in 2021 last year, it hadn't been finalized yet, was 45%, the person who doesn't attend church has a 20% chance higher that they'll get divorced than the secular Wow, that's a big number. Just coming to church? That's a study. I'm just telling you where I found it. Focus on the family. Amy you heard James Dobson? Yeah, it come from his, his study. Wow, big deal. So watch this. Also, again, I'm just talking about religion. Pew Research shows that 28 to 30% of people believe in America, only, let me say, no, I missed a word, only 28 to 30% of people in America believe that premarital sex is wrong. Now, that means that if there's 10 of you and I poll you, seven, seven of you and the other three, there's a mass difference. Only 28 to 30%. So that means seven out of the 10 would say it's okay, but they go to church. Religion is not the answer. When religion is not enough. I'm, I come to church all the time, right? But me coming to church is not my salvation. My hope is not in me coming to church. Do you, should you come to church? Every time the doors are open, if you can. Because Christ is here and there's hope in that. And there's ed, the body should edify one another. Come on. But the process of religion, it's not enough. It's never been enough. And it won't be enough. So let's read Acts chapter 3. I'm going to read about 10 verses, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Now, you, you, you must understand that in Jewish culture, they went three times a day. Okay? So they went about mid-morning, they went at noon, they went mid-afternoon. So about 9, 12, and 3. All right? So this was a regular uh, uh, thing. It was uh, religion in itself. It's a, we just process it. We just doing what we do. Why? Because Grandma did what we do, so we just keep on doing that. All right? So I want to lay that, and then I'll read. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. That's a good place to lay. (laughs) All you sanctified holy church folk, going to give me a dollar. Think about that just a minute. We're going to talk about that in a minute. (laughs) Verse 3, who seek Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask for alms. In verse 4, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Verse 7, and he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones, this is important, his feet and ankle bones received strength. Next verse. So he leaping up, he stood up, he leaped up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. So he's lame from birth. They're all these years. It's estimated he's about 40 years old. And he jumps up, and now he's leaping and praising God. Do you have anybody that's a physical therapist in here? I mean, I know we got them. They just ain't in the sanctuary. So so, uh, just just, we'll just put this right. Now. So so, Doc, if if I'm, um, the tradition says that his ankle bones are out of socket. It's interesting that Luke, the physician, wrote he wrote Acts, and it's interesting that he used the word bones. That he 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 explained more than him just being lame. He says that he was uh, his. Ankle, his feet and ankle bones were lame, which uh, signifies some crippling, some out of socket. Something didn't work right, wasn't born right. So, in your opinion, as a medical doctor, a, a bona fide medical doctor, that would probably be impossible to uh, without a miracle to just jump up and start praising, leaping, God, running around. Is, would that impossible. impossible? Except for there's this. Man called Jesus, this Holy Spirit that's working through two disciples. You're going to go somewhere with it. It says in verse um, verse 8, did I read verse 8? I did read verse, okay, let's go to verse 9. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. This is important. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the, gate, at the beautiful gate of the temple and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, this is what I want you to know. First of all, it's at the end of the story. It's at the end of the passage of Scripture. But in verse 10, we find out that he was a lame man, but he was well known. In other words, he had been there long enough. And religion had passed him so many times that they knew him. In other words, the religious people go to the temple... Walking around, knowing and having knowledge of Jesus Christ, but overlooking at this time the the, the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit hadn't been given, as we know, the chapter prior to that in Acts chapter 2, okay? It had probably just happened one or two, no no more than a week from this incident, from when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was given in Acts chapter 2. It's about probably a week at max, okay? So... What's going on is this guy's sitting here. The church for years and years and years has walked past a problem. This guy has a legitimate need. He's lame. He can't work. He has to, he's so lame that he has to be carried to this place and laid at the place. And uh, his, in his strategic thought, he wanted to be placed at the Gate beautiful, the beautiful gate. Not because it was pretty, because it was pretty, but it was, there was about nine gates at the temple, four on the south, four on the north, and one on the east side. And this gate was where uh, the Jews would go in. The Gentiles, they, they, they claimed, there's a sign there that, that was there at that time. They said, if the Gentiles went in here, you, we'll kill you. This was reserved for the Jews, the holy people, those religious people. Come on. And and he wanted to be placed there because he thought, well, I can surely get something from the religious folks. Surely they have something for me to help me. I believe that the world is passing by the churches today saying, surely they can help me. Surely the church can help me. And yet we come to our very nice buildings with heating and air conditioning and padded pews. And we come and we use our consciousness and we're religious but we're not walking in the power that God has given us. And people are hurting physically, emotionally, uh, financially, and they're going to hell passing by the church, those religious folks. Watch this. The lame man, no doubt, had some regular supporters. Come on. They knew him, right? Right? He had those regular supporters, those religious folks that want to do good, and it is good to help those that can't help themselves. But he had those regular supporters that he would see every week going to the temple. The problem with regular supporters is simply this, that they are just as used to you being lame as you are being lame. Come on, think about that. They're okay with you being lame as long as it don't cost me anything to help fix you. They're okay with that. They're just as well with you being where you are. As long as you're okay, I'm good. But I like what happened in Scripture. Two guys, Peter and John, saying, man, we've done this a thousand times over. Probably more. Three times a day. See, that, that's religion. We can't get to church full three times a week. Now, don't shout me down now. Just wait till the end. We'll do it all at one time and make you feel better, okay? Because there'll be something I'm going to say in the middle that you can shout about. But that ain't probably one of them, right? <clears throat> Come on now. The problem with religion in general is that it only gives you a doctrinal position on why you are the way you are. You was made that way, God made you that way, praise God. let God made you there you, that's your, that's your that's your fate in life. Well, that's not true. You may be lame, but you don't have to stay that way. You may be depressed, but you don't have to stay that way. You may be physically ill, but you don't have to stay that way. You may be unsaved and heathen, but you don't have to stay that way. God has provided provisions for you a way out of anything that you're in. It's important that we understand that through the Holy Spirit, given in Acts chapter 2, that there's more to life, there's more to this religious thing than what you're experiencing currently. I don't know about y'all, but I I don't like just coming to church and seeing no change. I don't like coming to church and seeing the same thing happen in our lives and we're still fighting the same problems year after year after year. When do we grow? When do we get past what Hebrews 6 says? When do we get past the elementary doctrines, this elementary thing of of following Christ and salvation and doctrine of baptism? When do we grow on to maturity? When is it? That we start growing in him and saying, who am I in him? What has he called me to do? What authority do I have in him? It's very important that you understand who you are. If I go into a place to purchase something, and I've never been into that place, and I say, "Um, I'm here on the behalf of the United States government, and and here's a piece of paper that says... uh, you know, they're gonna pay for everything that, that I get. I brought with me the authority to get whatever I need. Now, on myself, I was recognized for nothing. They're thinking, man, we're gonna need everything. We're gonna need your kids, uh, your grandkids, we're gonna need a financial statement. I'm saying, well, that's gonna be a short one. That's just a little piece of paper, you know? They're gonna need all these things, but if I walk in there with the right paper, it gives me the authority. Here's the problem with the church. We know about the authority, but we don't walk in it. We don't present it to the people who need it. Come on, we're not presenting it to the people out in the world. Right. We're good with coming to church. It's easy to shout in the church. It's easy to be happy about the Lord in the church. It's easy to say, oh God's so good in the church. He's He's done this, He's done that. But when we get out there to the people who need to hear the good word, to be encouraged. We fall short. Watch. Hallelujah. Y'all are soaking this in. I can, it's, y'all like a sponge. If you're not doing that, just go with me because that's what I feel. You know, It feels good to you. Okay? <clears throat> the Holy Spirit looks at where you are and says there's hope beyond where you are. The question is, do you want to be set free from where you are? Do you want to be liberated? Do you want to be set free from sin? I didn't say you'd never struggle with it again. I said, do you want to be set free? Do you, want to be, do you want to be cleansed? Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be healed? That's what we've got to want this. We've got to want what Christ has for us. The problem is we're coming to church and we're not wanting what God has available for us. And we're coming saying, man, this is great. Man, if we could, just, we could just come to church all of the time, this would be wonderful. I feel the love in the church house. Here's the problem with that. There's a dying, hurting world that's going to hell out there. We have to take what's in here and go out there. Peter and John took what they had received at the first part of the week and gave to someone who had been lame all of his life, who had been disease sick all of his life. How many of you in this room know somebody out there in the marketplace that needs Jesus. that has been tormented all of their life for a long period of their life with something. And you are walking around with the authority and power. Watch. So let's look back in Scripture just a minute. In verse 3, it says, The lame man said, And who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms. It's important. Most people they, they tell me when they ask for alms at this time. We're doing a little research that they would see someone coming. You know, much like you do when you pull up to the four-way stop or the red light, and someone's over there saying, "I will work for food," but they're lying. I mean, they they, they need money, and and because uh, if you give them something, they said, "Well, we're getting money." But no, I'm kidding. So, uh, so so it's much like this, and you make account Hope they didn't see me. They're three feet from you. They see you. It's like, you know, you're over here fitting like, I hope they don't see me. You're in an SUV that's 22 feet long, nine feet wide. Yeah, they see you. But I think that's what it looked like when, they were, when the people would take alms and they had their little tin cups And they would see someone coming, but they didn't want to make eye contact with them. You know why people don't want to make eye contact? Light and dark don't mix. And and so he sees them, and and he starts shaking. Alms for the poor. Alms for the poor. Shaking his little money maybe in the Alms for the poor. Steadily shaking. And so we know that he didn't continue to look at them because of the Next verse says this, and fixing his eyes on him, in other words, Peter and John were walking, and, and uh, John is with Peter, and he says this, as Peter probably looked at him, and he noticed he was looking at him, he said, hey, look at us. So we know he wasn't looking at him. Look at us. And so he gets the attention. Next verse, this is important. So he, the layman, gave them his attention. It's important that you give God the attention. The one who has the power to give to you to go do what you need to do, what you're called to do, it's important that you give him attention. The problem is we want to give, we, we almost title this message a different title, The Prostitution in the Church. Where we come to God, we give him a little whoop whoop, and we say, Lord, can you bless me? But we don't give him any attention. We don't give him attention during the week. We come and we throw a five or ten or maybe even a hundred into the plate and say, Lord, look at me. Now, this is what I'll need this week, Lord. Here's my list. And you leave and you never return till you need something else. That's prostitution. Religious prostitution. Oh, preacher, you, you shouldn't say that in the church. What should I say? That is the correct way to say it. So watch. If you expect, watch this. So, so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. This big word, expecting. I come to the house of the Lord expecting. I get up in the morning on Monday, and I'm gonna expect from God, I'm giving him my attention. I expect God to do something great in my life. One of the things that I pray for is, Lord, help me to intersect with somebody today that I can talk to him about the Lord. Now, that's not, a, I don't, I, one here just recently, a couple of days ago, as a matter of fact, it was uh, last uh, Thursday. I was at a place of business and, and, uh, I shared it with some of you guys, I think. And so I I was walking out of the business, and I passed someone going the other direction. And the Lord said, what are you doing? Well, I'm getting in my truck. You know, sometimes I have to explain to the Lord what I'm doing. You ever do that? Well, Lord, I'm getting in my truck. I mean, what happened, Lord? (laughs) Stay with me, God. (laughs) So I I keep moving. He says, you going to talk to him? I get seated in my truck, and Lord says, "What are you doing? You go talk to him." Man, I I get out of the truck, I go back, and I said, "Hey," he's already a good ways across this parking lot. But it, hey, you know how many people turn and look at you when you say, "Hey," yeah. everybody. <laughs> hey, like what you know? And so, so I. Get this guy to focus in, you know. I'm like, fix my eyes on him, so I'm going straight to him. You know, that's probably uh, not a good thing. Hey! And everybody turns around, and you're like, he's like, oh, Lord. He's a Jehovah's Witness. I can tell right now. He's going to talk to me. So I go, and I, and I, get, I get up to him, and I said, uh, hey, but uh, the Holy Spirit just just nuts me a, a about you. Is, it, is there s- something you need? And, of course, you know, they... Some people are like, "Oh God, Holy Spirit! What? Is, uh oh, uh oh, he's a weirdo." He said, "Holy Spirit." I tried to tone it down. I should have said the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Spirit, he's like, "Um, but, I mean, yeah, uh, just just for me." I said, "No, I want to be more specific." What's going on in your life? I said, "Are you married?" No, no. I said, well, "What can I pray with you about?" He began to share some things and. I said, I'm going to pray for you. When I left, I took a few steps. He said, thank you. Thank you. I need that. See, that wasn't wasn't difficult to do. But he needed that. I couldn't have done that within my own power because I was already in the truck. I was thinking, Lord, send somebody else. Am I the only Christian in the world? I mean, come on. Well them other people down there at LVA church. The preacher's been talking to them about it. why well, don't well, they go do it? <laughs> Come on. That's what we think though, isn't it? Somebody else will do it. What did we learn a few weeks ago in our go deeper? You wanna know how to starve a death a dog to death? Let three people feed it. Because while you're thinking they're doing it and he's thinking somebody's that they're thinking somebody else is doing it, dog starve to death. That's right. World's starving to death for for Christ. The world, I said the world is starving to death for Christ. Let me move on. Can you imagine being this man, this lame man at the gate beautiful? I wonder if this man had lost hope. You ever been in a place in your life where you lost hope? You ever been in that place where you think, man, one more bad thing happens to me and I'm done. I mean, I'm going to just put the nail in the coffin and get in it first, you know. I mean, I'm done. I mean, can you imagine you you had to have somebody to go help you get to a place where you could beg for enough money to eat. Now, that's pretty low. I mean, you couldn't even crawl there by yourself. And you, that's a down moment. That is I've lost hope kind of moment. And this guy probably had heard about the crucifixion of Jesus. See, Acts chapter 2 was last week. Jesus had been crucified because he already went to heaven. He said, if I go away, I'll send a comforter to you. And then that's when the Holy Spirit came. This guy had probably heard that Jesus had been crucified. May I tell you that at that time frame, the only hope for someone sick was that Jesus himself in the bodily form, fully man, fully God, would come by, see you, recognize you, your need, and touch you and heal you. Think about this. This is before the Holy Spirit fell. That was the only hope that this man had. Remember the man at the pool of Bethesda? Jesus shows up, said, What do you want? And he starts me in with an excuse. Well, you know I can't even get to the pool. My friends leave me; they jump in because they're here and they got. They walk and they get in for me. What do you want? Well, Lord, you know I'm crawling as fast as I can. But you know, do you want to be healed? Oh yeah, yeah, I'd like to have that. Then take up your bed and walk. See, that was his only hope. They said that the Holy Spirit would come in and stir the waters at the pool of Bethesda and the first one in. I don't know about this guy, but I'm laying right there. If I hear some kind of splashing, uh, I'm talking about if I hear a ripple, I'm just going to roll over into the pool. Come on. That was the only hope that back then that they had was to be healed. The woman that had an issue of blood, what happened? What happened? She followed him around. She went for 12 years with this issue and wanted she had to, she had to get to one person, one person. She heard that he was coming and she said, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, I can be healed. That's gotta be a lonely place when you're sick that I'm just waiting for Jesus to come by. I mean, my goodness, I'm having to be carried to ask for money so I can live. I surely can't go chase after him. What a horrible place to be. You're talking about losing hope. When he heard Jesus had crucified, he was like, I'm going to be the way, this way the rest of my life. I'll never be able to walk. I'll be right here the rest of my life. But I believe this. That Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. That dwells in each one of us so that the hopelessness of the world can find hope within us. We should be the hope that the world's looking for. Christ is gone and he what? He sent the Holy Spirit to indwell in all of us to go and minister to the lost, to the sick, to the lame. Yet the churches in today, hear me when I say this, the churches of today are losing ground. Did you, do you understand that the population of the world is growing, outpacing by far the growth of the church? The growth of the church is really not in growth. It's in decline. And population is growing. So that gap gets further and further. Some 1,500 ministers leave the ministry every month. Today in Arkansas, you could probably go anywhere. There's probably 25 to 30 churches out of the 400 of Assemblies, just Assemblies of God, that are empty. You probably know of a church that somebody's looking for a pastor. In Mississippi this past week, the Assemblies of God state office called me and said, hey, um, there's this guy that uh, you, you know. He puts you as a reference, and we would like to get your, your opinion on him. He's applying for credentials to be one of our ministers. And they named the church, and I know the church. and They've been without a pastor for four years. What happens to the church when there's no pastor? Though they hold together, they got 15, 16. They're just trying to survive. There's no opportunity for ministry because they're in a hopeless situation. What I'm telling you is this. It's time that the church rise up and be the church. It's time that the church go out into the marketplace and, and be what God's called us to be. Exercise the authority that's been given us through the Holy Spirit and say, guess what? I'll go. I thought you'd shout me down about right there when I said that, y'all, I'm going to go. Because you said, praise God, he's going to go. I don't have to. We got the piano, sweetie. <clears throat> I do call her sweetie when you're not here too. Just so you know. <laughs> I had to clarify that something if you're new, I have to clarify that, that is not my wife. I said, sweetheart, come to the piano. She gets up, and I just knew that day everybody's looking saying, That is not his wife. They're looking for my wife, she's up in the class saying, mm I ain't saying a word, I ain't come back to this church, so mm <laughs> Woo! I did I did call call and tell him, hey, guess what I did? I just want you to know, buddy. (laughs) Amen. The lame man probably had heard what had happened on the day of Pentecost. But he didn't understand the promise until Peter and John showed up. You know what we need today? We need more Peters and Johns in the church. We need more people that say, you know what? I don't have anything. What I got, I'll give to you. There was a story once that was told uh, from, uh, from the perspective of this Thomas Quirinius. It says while the Pope was counting the offering one day to the Catholic Church, the Pope looked over to Thomas Quirinius and said, We can no longer say Silver and gold have I none. With a reply from Thomas Quirinius that said, Neither can we say, Rise up and walk. Because see, we have lost the very power that had been given to us. And we don't walk in that authority. We don't walk in what God's called us to do. Because religion is not working. When religion is not enough, where do people turn? May I help you understand that they turn to drugs. They turn to alcohol. They turn to uh, other things in this world that would cause them to go astray. Why divorce is up. Why premarital sex is on a rise. That's why our, our young teenagers, I can't even, I can't even really, I guess I could because I'm that kind of guy. But I won't. Uh, You you go and just do some research on the teenagers and watch me. Pre-teens, mamas and daddies, pre-teens that are participating in illicit sex acts. It is unreal. 9, 10, and 11, 12-year-olds. I get amen right there. He sees a lot of stuff. Happening in our hometown communities that we're good. We we still got a cross up down at the square. Okay. It's called religion. Religion is not setting people free. Jesus went into the temple, Dale. He went in there and he saw something in the temple that made him mad. He saw religion. He saw religious people taking advantage of people who were in need. When they walked in to bring their lamb, he said, you have, Jesus said this, you have made my house of prayer into a den of thieves. They were doing ungodly things. They were, they were extortioners is what they were in the temple. And people were relying on religion to set them free. And I believe that Jesus said, thank God I am here Thank God I, my father sent me here because I don't have much time. I've got to get religion out of their minds. Because religion can be anything. And I'm tired of religion. I'm tired of the process of saying we know God and we have a building, we call it church and people every day are dying around us and, and going to hell. People every day, they're, they're tormented with anxiety and depression. There's more, more drugs being given by, by doctors and hospitals and nurse practitioners than ever before for things that if the church would stand up and be the church, could lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. There's more people turning to alcohol because of depression. Because they don't know where to turn. They've lost hope. And the church can say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk from that. Let me tell you about it. Jesus has set me free. And we're just going through the motions of doing church. We're in the last days, church. I believe that with all of my heart. You older generation said, well, I've heard that all of my life. Me too. And if you come, continue to come to this church, you'll hear it till I die if he don't come. We're in the last days. There's people that's going to die and go to hell. Had a young lady just the last in the last few days. She come to me. She said, she doesn't attend this church, doesn't even live in this state by the way so if you're wondering I wonder who that is well that's religion you old devil be on your Snapchat I think it's so and so or whatever it is you do your tweeters or whatever see tweeting when I was growing up tweeters was something you had in your car and speaker it was a tweeter I don't know what it is now but she came to me and she said uh, I need you to pray for me. I said, Oh, I'll I'll do that. See, sometimes we 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 gotta we gotta give him some attention. Because see, I I, I was doing my thing and my mind was somewhere else, and she said, I need you to pray for me. I said, Oh, I'll do that. I, yes, I will. Have you ever told somebody I'm gonna do that? Yeah, I'm gonna pray for you. She grabs my arm and says, You don't understand. I'm thinking, this is a divine appointment. I feel it coming on. I mean, I'm slow, but I get it. Grabs him by and says, you don't understand. I need prayer. I said, I think I'm getting it. You need some prayer. I said, what can I pray with you about? And she begins to tell me, oh, her stuff. Oh. And I'm thinking, because I'm a pretty sharp guy. He needs prayer. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you. Okay. I mean, like, not right now. I mean, I'm going to pray for you when I go home, you know. You don't understand. I need you to pray for me. I saw her. We, we, we prayed. I saw her the next day. <laughs> How does this ever happen? I saw her the next day. It is not my wife. Some of you think you know. I saw her the next day. She said, she, she caught me. I mean, like on the other side. This time, it's like, I'm going to get both sides. So she, she turned me and she said, did you remember to pray for me? I said, oh, I did. She said, I am so serious. I need prayer. I'm at the bottom. I'm fixing to throw in the towel. I am finished. I am done. I've had all I can stand. I am done. I said, I promise you, don't throw in the towel yet. Let God do something in you. There's still hope as long as he's on the throne. And guess what? He's still there. As long as God is still being God, that woman has hope that she can come out of a situation. She has lost hope. But guess what? God had called me to intersect with this woman and say, there's still hope. But we've got to give God some attention. We've got to put our eyes and fix our eyes on, on him and be let the Holy Spirit work through us so that when this woman says, you don't understand. See, if I would have been where I needed to be and thinking about what I needed to be thinking about, she wouldn't have had to grab me and say, Look at me in the eye and say, You don't understand. I could have said, Sweetheart, I I know what you're going through and begin to pray for her. When's the church going to be the church? I'm tired of religion. I'm mad at the devil. He ain't never liked me, and I ain't never liked him. I'm tired of him taking our church, a vibrant church, Rusty, and just saying it's useless, it's worthless. Just go and get your feelings, uh, get your good, good on, get your yoo-hoos and yahoos, and let's get it back to business. Why don't we get back to the business of God? Why don't we get back to the business of what the church has been called to do and be? I want you to say this. I want you to listen to this, and I'm going to close. And I know it's early. And you're thinking, wow, God's got a hold of him. I sent my text to my son-in-law. He's called me this morning. He says, is that it? Did I miss something? Because it's only got that part. So some of you that are visitors, bless you. But we're going to pray in a minute. Listen to what I'm fixing to read you. I wrote this down in my notes. All religion can do for the lame man was offer him something that did not fix his problem. Think about that. They passed him daily. Jewish people are really, really religious. They're faithful. And they went three times a day. And they passed him three times a day. And all their religion could do was throw him a little money. They couldn't fix him. Come on, think about it. They couldn't fix him. Their religion, it was a process. And they passed him Every day. How many people do you work with that you sit beside in the next cubicle or the next off the desk or, or that you, you do something with and wherever you work? How many people do you know that are hurting, that are lame spiritually speaking? Oh. And your religion, come on, your church attendance hadn't helped them one bit. It's a new Greek word called baloney. When's the church going to be the church? When's the church going to rise up and say, you know what? I don't have any money to give you. But I know that there's some peace in my heart. I know that God is real. I know that God still saves and he still sets free. The Bible says in John 8, 36, whom the son sets free is free indeed. Thank God I got freed up from some stuff when I came to the Lord. I'm still getting freed up after all these years from stuff from the Lord. Amen. I'm getting freed up. It don't stop. You just keep getting free. Come on. This is good stuff, church. They can throw money at him. He's still lame. You can throw how many times you go to church at somebody and they're still depressed. Depressed. If I'd have told that young lady When she grabbed me and said you don't understand I said but you don't understand I went to church three times this week We even went to a Thursday night Bible study You don't understand preacher I don't care if you went Every night of the week I'm still hurting I am still have a problem And you going to church ain't fixing me What do you have to fix me Jesus, it's time. Some of you have been called to do great things for the Lord. I'm going get to get real with some of you, okay? You just stay with me. Some of you in this building, in this room, it's been prophesied over you that you'd do something great for the Lord years ago and you still hadn't given him any attention when are you going to rise up and walk some of you have talents and anointings And callings on your life that God placed there a long time ago. And you're not walking in those. Preacher, you you know, you're getting kind of specific. Well, praise God. I told you I didn't like religion. God's calling people to go do the work that is called the church to do. Do you understand? You understand that the people of the church, it's not the building. The building is not going out to witness to anybody. Come on, you, you can't go get people and stick them up beside the building out here and say, be healed and walk off. It's not the building that does it. It's the thing in the building called the people. And God is calling us to go be the church. Do you understand when the, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell, do you understand the main purpose of the Holy Spirit? It wasn't to have spiritual gifts. Those are good. That's a byproduct of that. The, the main thing for the for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was for you to go be a witness into Jerusalem, Jerusalem where the Spirit fell, Judea, Samaria, and all of the world. I've told you many times in this church, there's only two times that I can think of that God Hasn't and won't use people. Number one is in creation. He didn't need us. And number two, when he comes back for the church, for the bride, we'll be with him. But we don't, he's, do all, he's doing all the work. Everything between those two books, those two chapters in the Bible, Genesis and Revelation, he uses people to accomplish what he wants to in this earth. Do you understand that? That's a big deal. Do you understand? Let me get real with you. Do you understand that there's somebody that God has appointed for you to, to intersect with, to talk to them about Jesus, about whether they're right or not with Him? A long time ago, even the Bible says that your days were formed, were, were, were planned before you were ever formed. Tell me, God's not in charge. Before you were ever a, 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 a fetus, God had planned out your days. Do you understand that? God planned out your days and there's people today that are waiting for you to step up and be the church across paths and tell them about Jesus. Do you understand that their eternity could be in your hands? Well preacher I don't don't know if I agree with that. Well give me your doctrine. Give me your theology on it. Who's he going to use? The next person down there? Oh He may, but he called you first. When are we going to be the church? Well, preacher, you don't understand. It's my personality. Call when we get to heaven. God's not going to say, you know, because of your personality, I'm not going to hold you accountable for these if he's going to hold me accountable for every idle word that proceeds out of my mouth, you think he's going to let you off the hook when he enter- you're supposed to be intersecting with somebody to tell him about Jesus and that they're spending eternity in hell? You think you're getting off the hook because of your personality? No, sir. No, ma'am. It is time. This church should be packed out today because we were so full of the Holy Spirit that when we walk out and we talk to people in our place of business, those people that that are over us or or whatever, under us at work or wherever, our friends, our neighbors, that we have such an anointing and such a, a power of the Holy Spirit flowing from us that they run to the altars, they get in church. They come to Jesus right where you are in the marketplace, right on the, in the aisle of, of Sullivan's Grocery Store, and they knelt down right down there by the by the by the uh, uh, ramen noodles, <laughs> and give their heart to the Lord. Spin them around in the aisle and put a little salt on them. Preacher, you know I get really embarrassed. You know I, I don't I I don't know. I mean. I, I just don't know how to do all that. Well, uh, Just so you know, there's no formula. You know, the, I don't have a playbook in my, in my office back here. This is when you get saved. And some, of you, uh, some of you think some of these people are really on fire for God. And they're doing, I, I don't take them back here and say, no, here's a playbook. And this is how you do it. If you do this, it's going to work. No, you give him some attention and he starts to work in your life. And when he starts that work in your life, he gives you a boldness like he did the disciples. And guess what? When you make that intersection and that cross, you realize that religion is not working. And people will begin to come to you and say, I'm hurting. And you say, well, guess what? I don't have anything to give you but Jesus. And when you give him Jesus, give them Jesus, guess what happens? Change begins to come to their life. We're overthinking this thing. Church has made religion too hard. Because it's religion. Jesus is easy. You got to just accept and believe it. So, if you will, stand up all across this building.